Derek Chauvin is convicted on all charges. President Biden and co-president Harris celebrate while Nancy Pelosi thanks George Floyd for being killed. And the Democrats call for tearing down America's supposedly racist systems. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Stand up for your digital rights. Take action at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben, we'll get to all of the news and there's plenty of it this morning. We'll get to it in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that you're spending way too much on that cell phone bill, like hundreds of dollars too much every single year, which is why thousands of customers are canceling the nation's largest wireless providers. Why? Well, they found out they can get the same service at half the price by switching over to Pure Talk. That's right. Instead of charging you obscene fees to pay for their massive mainstream media campaigns, corporate campuses, retail outlets across the country, Pure Talk passes the savings on to you. The average family saves over $800 a year. And switching is super easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And here's the thing. If you go over on the data, they're not going to charge you for it. So you really have nothing to lose. Why are you spending money on unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data and spending hundreds of dollars too much for that when you could be getting unlimited talk, text, six gigs of data for 30 bucks a month? And if you go over, they're not going to charge you for it. From your cell phone to I'll pound 250, say Ben Shapiro, get started with my friends at Pure Talk USA. Save 50% off your very first month. That is pound 250. Say keyword Ben Shapiro, and you get 50% off your very first month of Pure Talk coverage. Again, save money on your cell phone bill, Pure Talk USA, dial pound 250, and say my name, Ben Shapiro, to get started. All righty. So, obviously, the massive news of the day is that late yesterday afternoon, Eastern time, the jury came in with its verdict in the killing of George Floyd by Derek Chauvin. The jury determined that it was murder, not just second-degree murder. It was second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and manslaughter, according to the jury. Here was the judge announcing the jury verdict yesterday. We, the jury, in the above-entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. We, the jury, in the above-entitled matter as to count two, third-degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. We, the jury, in the above-entitled matter as to count three, second-degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, find the defendant guilty. Okay, so those charges carry, as per the statute, 12.5 years for second-degree, 12.5 years for third-degree, four years for manslaughter if you don't have a prior conviction. There are some extenuating factors that the prosecution is going to try to present to the judge to call for more than the maximum sentence allotted by law suggesting that Chauvin should spend presumably decades in prison for the death of George Floyd. So let's talk for a second about the jury here. So the jury spent about 10 hours in deliberation. It was a three-week trial. They spent about 10 hours deliberating. They came back early yesterday afternoon, like 2.30 Eastern time, and it became clear that they were going to give a verdict. So it was pretty obvious as soon as they announced that they were coming back that it was going to be guilty on all charges. Uh, I said this publicly. Uh, The reason being that in Minnesota, you actually have to be acquitted by the entire jury, or you have to be convicted by the entire jury. So once the jury said they were coming back, unless they were going to acquit him on all charges, which was extraordinarily doubtful, it was pretty obvious they were going to convict him on all charges. If there had been a hangup, if there had been a couple of jurors who were not into it, then they would have gone back to the judge. They would have asked questions. They would have gone back to the judge. They would have said, you know, we can't reach a verdict. The judge would have sent them back. He would have said, you need to go back and talk about it and see if you can reach a verdict. Then into any of that, in record time, they came down for the conviction of Derek Chauvin. In my view of the evidence, the jury's wrong. Now, nothing unique in that. Juries can be wrong sometimes, or perhaps I'm wrong. That is possible too. But in my view of the evidence, not only is the jury wrong, given the fact they didn't even ask any questions of the judge, I wonder if they even examined the evidence. The reason being, 
The second and third degree murder charges, it seems unsupportable to me on a logical level that the second and third degree murder charges, based on what we saw in the courtroom and the entire trial was televised, that those charges are justifiable by the evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. Remember, the standard is not by preponderance of the evidence. The standard is not, do you think that Chauvin is guilty of second and third degree murder? The, the question is, do you know beyond a reasonable doubt that he is guilty of second and third degree murder? We've walked through these charges many times. Third degree murder does not even apply in this case. Originally, the judge said that third degree murder should not be brought as a charge because it's so-called depraved heart murder. Depraved heart murder is where you shoot a gun into a crowd. The statute specifically says when you present harm to others, plural, right? And then you hit one person, you shoot into a crowd. You don't have any specific intent to kill a person, but you know that you probably will kill somebody. That's what a depraved heart murder is. That's what third degree murder is. That did not apply in this case. They convicted, it, they convicted Chauvin of it anyway. Second degree murder, they would have had to find that felony assault was intended, that Chauvin intended to commit a felony assault, not to participate in a routinely used police procedure that was greenlit by the Minneapolis Police Department, but that he intended to commit a felony assault on George Floyd, not that it was an accident, not that he went too far in the process of, of pursuing that, but he intended, right? Felony assault is an intent crime, that he intended to commit a felony assault, and in the process of that felony assault, George Floyd died. The, the sort of criminal equivalent would be somebody who's robbing a bank, they intend to commit a felony, Somebody else gets shot during the process of robbing the bank by accident. That's felony murder. Okay, very difficult to prove. The jury went for that as well. Manslaughter, I said all along, was the easiest charge to prove because all you had to prove there was recklessness. And there, the prosecution made a fairly compelling case because the prosecution said that in that particular case, Derek Chauvin could have seen that Floyd was dying under his knee and therefore he should have turned Floyd over. You should have given him medical care, right? All of that is a lot more arguable and at least a lot more evidentiarily based than the second and third degree murder charges. But the jury not only went for the second and third degree murder charges, they went for it in record time. They went right for it, like very, very quickly, which suggests to me that they didn't really take a fulsome look of the evidence. Now, maybe they did, and maybe they just came to a different conclusion. But the presumption has to be that this was the most highly watched trial in modern American history. Yeah, the president of the United States sounding off about it. You had Congresswoman Maxine Waters outside the courtroom who was saying that there were going to be riots in the streets, essentially, if they didn't get the verdict they wanted. You had the entire media declaring, the entire media, to a man, declaring that this trial was a foregone conclusion, and not just a foregone conclusion, but that it was insulting to even have to watch the defense put on a case. The notion that the pressure campaign brought to bear over the course of the last year to convict Chauvin had no impact on the jury here beggars the imagination. It just... It, I find it very, very difficult to believe that this was, in fact, an objective pursuit of the system of justice. Now, perhaps it was. Perhaps it was. Okay, perhaps the jury just went in the room and they did their best and they came away after having examined all three weeks of the evidence and they ignored the fact that George Floyd had three times the deadly level of fentanyl in his system and they ignored the fact that he had a 75% arterial blockage and they ignored the fact that he said he couldn't breathe before he was on the ground and they ignored the fact that he was resisting arrest. They ignored the fact that he asked to be taken out of the car and to be put on the ground. They ignored the fact that he was actively talking just before he died, which shows that his airway was not obstructed. They ignored the autopsy results that showed that he had many drugs in his system and not just that he had many drugs in his system, but no damage to his trachea and no damage to his, and no damage to his, the arteries on either side of his neck, right? Perhaps they, they looked at all of that and they said, you know what? We just agree with Dr. Dr. Tobin, who is the prosecution medical witness, and we just agree with him. And we believe that just by looking at the tape, he could magically determine the cause of death on George Floyd and that it was only Derek Chauvin's knee, not even on his neck, on his upper back that caused the death of George Floyd. Maybe that maybe they did their job and they did it beautifully. But there is one thing that the jury didn't do. 
There is one charge that the jury never even considered. There is one charge that was never even alleged that Chauvin was convicted of. And that, of course, is the biggest charge of all. Not the murder charge. The charge that Derek Chauvin is emblematic of an American system of racism. That charge was never proved. No evidence was brought to that idea. There was, no, there, there was not even an allegation that this killing was racial in any way. That allegation never was brought to court. There was no evidence presented of that allegation. And yet that was the entire story. If you ask Americans today, is Derek Chauvin a racist? I guarantee you, a majority of Americans will say yes. And to what is the evidence of that? That George Floyd died. That is not evidence of racism. That's evidence, at best, of a bad cop. It is evidence of bad police procedure. It is evidence of recklessness. That is not evidence of racism. But we all know that the real charge that was brought against Derek Chauvin, because it was being brought against America more broadly, is that America is racist. And this case is emblematic of that. This data point is all about America being racist. He was never charged with that. He was never accused of that. No evidence was brought of that. But not only was he convicted of that, the entire country, the entire country was convicted of a crime that was that there was literally no evidence presented of. And that really is the part that that is is terrible for the country and has driven the narrative all along. Because let us be real about this. If the if the body cam footage had broken at the time when it was supposed to, by the way, the body cam footage broke well after the original third party footage of what was going on with Chauvin and Floyd. If the body cam footage had broken and the third party footage had broken and all the evidence had been cast into the public sphere, if all of that had happened and there had not been 20 million people in the streets declaring that America was systemically racist and that this case was a case of racism, it is highly doubtful to me whether a jury would have convicted of second and third degree murder on this evidence. Which suggests to me, of course, that when it comes to due process, this was due process in name. It was not justice in effect because individual justice relies on you evaluating the evidence before you, not on bringing in preconceived notions about systemic American racism that were never alleged in the courtroom. The prosecution did not allege that. The prosecution did not allege that Chauvin was a racist who went to kill a black man that day. That was not alleged. The prosecution did not allege that Chauvin killed Floyd because he was black or even that he was reckless because he was black. The prosecution did not allege racism, but that is what Chauvin stands convicted of for the rest of his life. That's what America stands convicted of in the view of the entire media, in the view of the entire Democratic Party. This was eminently political from beginning to end, from beginning to end. So when I say that the jury is wrong, juries get it wrong. But the question isn't whether the jury got it wrong. The question is whether the jury got it wrong because they were actually convicting Chauvin of a crime that he was not even alleged to have committed, which is standing in for America's evil racist system. And the answer there is pretty obviously yes. Okay? And you can see it in every element of the narrative that's been trotted out, every single element of the narrative. For example, Thelonious Floyd, who is a, a relative, the George Floyd's brother, got up and suggested, standing next to Al Sharpton, one of the great race baiters in American history, and Jesse Jackson, another one of the greatest race baiters in America, American history, and Benjamin Crump, another great race baiter in modern American history. Thelonious Floyd stood there and suggested that George, George Floyd was like Emmett Till, and now, for those who don't know about the Emmett Till crime, one of the great racial crimes in American history, Emmett Till was a 14-year-old black boy who was falsely accused of having sexually harassed a white woman. The white woman's family then went to the place where Emmett Till lived, dragged him out of his house, shot him, and threw him in a river. In other words, the circumstances surrounding George Floyd's death are nothing like the circumstances surrounding Emmett Till's death, which was a purely racist murder in the South in the Jim Crow era. 
But this is the comparison that was made continuously and repeatedly, is that every day America's racist system is creating new Emmett Tills. And George Floyd is just the latest example of this. Here is Philanese Floyd making that case. The person that comes to my mind is 1955. And to me, he was the first George Floyd. Mm. That, was, that was Emma Till. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I did, uh, was on CNN with Deborah Watts, and she just brought him back to life. Wow. People forgot about him. Yeah. But he was the first George Floyd. Okay, that is a, that is a lie. It is a, by the way, it is a slander against Emmett Till who is not, in fact, a repeat criminal who had held up a, a pregnant woman at gunpoint and robbed her house with her kid in the house. He was not a repeat drug offender who'd done jail time. He was not a person passing counterfeit bills, Emmett Till. He was not somebody who resisted arrest. He was not any of those things. Emmett Till was killed because he was a black, because he was a black boy living in the Jim Crow segregated South and there were white racists who murdered him. There's no similarity between the Emmett Till case and the George Floyd case. But again, that is what Chauvin was convicted of yesterday not just in the court of law, but in the court of public opinion, which in America matters a hell of a lot more than the court of law. And it's not just Chauvin who stands convicted of that, of course. The idea from the entire Democratic Party and the media is that it's the entire country that stands convicted of that when it was not even alleged based on evidence. It was not even alleged. And it seems to me that what happened really here is that the jury took allegations that were not even made and then read them into the crime. Derek Chauvin had to be convicted of second and third degree murder, not because the fact pattern supported second and third degree murder, might have supported manslaughter, but he had to be convicted of second and third degree murder or whatever charges they threw at him, frankly, because he was a stand-in for the evil history of American racism and the current system of American racial prejudice, of American white supremacy. And that to me does not look very much like a justice system. That does not look like a justice system designed to achieve individual justice. It looks like social justice and racial justice projected into a case where the evidence didn't fit, but it didn't matter. In just a second, we'll get to the reaction of the politician and media that proved exactly what I'm saying. I mean, it is, it is pretty astonishing. The reaction to this has been quite amazing and, and quite telling. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that you need to make your business better. You do. And the best way to make sure that your business is doing well is to market it properly. Well, a lot of people are still putting out their things like phone numbers. People are still trying cold call people using email. These are old-fashioned ways of reaching your customers. Instead, what you need is to get on text. Seriously, I don't respond to, to cold calls on phones. I'll just let it go to voicemail or I'll just, you know, hit end. But if somebody texts, there's a good shot that I'm going to see the text. Podium is the messaging platform to power your business. It helps you reach your customers wherever they are. Business messaging with Podium helps you gain reviews, collect payments, communicate with customers, and capture leads, all from a single inbox. Podium helps you adapt to the changing customer expectations. You don't have to take my word for it. RPM Alamo increased business by 20%. Tony is the owner of RPM Alamo. He said, we've generated more revenue, decreased vacancy rates, and pulled in more leads than we could have in multiple years. That's priceless. America's CarMart collected 21,000 leads through web chat. TJ, who helps run the digital experience at America's CarMart, said before Podium, we had to contact us for him. It could have been days before anybody got back to that customer. Our response time has now been cut down to minutes. Find out how Podium can help your business reach more customers today. Get started free today at podium.com slash Shapiro. That's podium.com slash Shapiro. Again, podium.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so you can see how the media and our politicians react. And they are reacting not to the conviction of a cop on evidence presented that he was reckless or even that he committed murder because he was brutal. They reacted to this 
on the basis of the racial question that was not even alleged at trial and to which no evidence was presented. There is not a jot or tittle of evidence that has been presented to suggest that if George Floyd had been a white man who was, and the police were called to the scene of a crime for a, a white guy who had a long, uh, a rap sheet as long as your arm and the white guy were high on fentanyl, three times the legal limit, resisting arrest, begging to be put on the ground, that that white guy would have lived under the exact same circumstances in which we saw this case. That was not even presented. There's no evidence presented to that. They didn't bring a Facebook post from Chauvin. They didn't bring any evidence of Chauvin's intent. They didn't bring any, any evidence that Chauvin was in fact a racist. It does not matter. That is what America and Chauvin stand convicted of today. And, and the way that the media treat this and the way the politicians treat this is perfectly obvious. So Nancy Pelosi gave what I thought was maybe the single most egregious statement on not just a criminal trial, but on the death of a human being that I have heard in quite some time. Her take on George Floyd's death is malevolent. I mean, truly malevolent. Here is Nancy Pelosi talking about the death of George Floyd, who, remember, did not willingly go to his death because he was making some sort of greater sacrifice. Even if you believe the jury, he was killed. That He did not want to die, nor should he have wanted to die. But Nancy Pelosi thanked him for his death. She thanked him for his death. Here's Nancy Pelosi. Thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice, for being there to call out to your mom. How, how heartbreaking was that? Call out for your mom. I can't breathe. But because of you and because of thousands, millions of people around the world who came out for justice, your name will always be synonymous with justice. Okay, forget for a second about the beginning of the statement in which she thanks a man for dying which is just an astonishing breach of decency. I mean, somebody gets shot by the cops, even if they're shot and they, they didn't deserve to be shot, you don't thank them for their death. That is a, that is a bizarre, bizarre take at best. But her, her statement that, that she, on the day of Chauvin's conviction, that because Floyd died and millions of people went out in the streets, basically Chauvin was convicted because of that, is itself an admission that this trial outcome was seen as the predictable outcome, not of the evidence, but of all of the surrounding hubbub regarding George Floyd and the BLM movement of last summer and the 20 million people in the streets, which is to say that it was not a pure jury case examining the evidence, looking at the looking at what happened. It was, in fact, outside pressure that made a fair bit of difference. And all of this ties in to, again, the broader American narrative, which is that all of this is about America's racist systems. So, for example, you have the Minneapolis mayor, Jacob Fry, who is just a moron. A, a moral idiot of extraordinary proportions. Jacob Fry, the same guy who went and got shellacked last summer, he went down to a BLM rally, tried to sympathize with them, and they said, what are you doing here? Well, they started yelling at him for being a white supremacist. Because when you show your neck to, to a mob of people who wish to tear down the system, and you're a member of the system, it never goes well for you. But Jacob Fry tweeted this out. George Floyd came to Minneapolis to better his life. Okay, that is at best on the record debatable, considering that he was in a car doing heavy doses of drugs and, and passing counterfeit bills after having committed many, many crimes. But ultimately, his life will have bettered our city. The jury joined in a shared conviction that has animated Minneapolis for the last 11 months. They refused to look away and affirmed he should still be here today. Well, I think everybody agrees that George Floyd shouldn't have died. There's no debate about that. But the notion that this has bettered Minneapolis in some way is indicative of a basic democratic case, which is that the world has gotten better over the course of the last year because of this mass movement in the streets. And I'm just wondering what the evidence is for that. I'm wondering what the evidence is that the world has gotten better because of what has happened over the course of the last year in terms of the 
supposed racial awakening in the United States. He had the same thing from Minnesota AG Keith Ellison. He said, this isn't justice, it's accountability. Now, what you notice here is the reason he's saying that it's not justice is because the idea that Democrats are going to push forward, and this is the next move, right, is that it was never about this particular case. It's about the broader system. You'll notice the language that is being used by, by the left today, by members of the media, by members of the Democratic Party, is not the system worked. Usually, in the aftermath of a criminal conviction, the line that you hear very often from politicians in the media is, yes, the system worked. You're not hearing that today. You're really not hearing that today. Instead, what you're hearing is justice was done. There's a major philosophical difference between justice was done and the system worked. If you say the system worked, you're providing legitimacy to the system. The left doesn't want to provide legitimacy to the system. Remember, remember, the system is racist. Remember, the system is bigoted. Remember, the system is the bad guy. Derek Chauvin isn't even the bad guy. Derek Chauvin is just the outgrowth of the system. In a certain way, a lot of folks on the left don't even believe that Derek Chauvin is responsible for his own actions because they didn't prove that he was a racist. He's just the outgrowth of a systemically racist system. He's just a widget in the system. The system is bad. So they're not saying the system worked because that would be lending gravitas and legitimacy to a system they hate. Instead, it's justice was done. When they say justice was done, what they mean is we got what we wanted. Okay, so here is Minnesota AG Keith Ellison saying, it's not about justice, it's about accountability because broader justice, of course, means that you tear down the entire system. I would not call today's verdict justice, however, because justice implies true restoration. But it is accountability, which is the first step towards justice. And now the cause of justice is in your hands. And when I say your hands, I mean the hands of the people of the United States. There we go. There we go. Because the entire system has to be torn down, right? That's the next step. The next step is that this was, this was merely indicative of a broader... That was not even a charge that was evidenced. It was not a charge brought against Chauvin. But Chauvin's going to go to jail for that charge. His life will be ruined for that charge. I'm not saying he shouldn't go to jail. Maybe he should for manslaughter. Maybe the jury even had a legitimate belief in second and third degree. But that is not why the media and the Democrats are convicting Chauvin today. The reason that they are convicting Chauvin today is not on the basis of the evidence. It's on the basis of fact, not in evidence. Namely, that Chauvin was the racist outgrowth of a racist system. Which is why this is a national story as opposed to a local crime story in the first place. Now, in just a second, I want to ask a pretty easy question, which is, okay, so is this hope? Have things gotten better? Because the basic idea is that things are now about to get better for black Americans in the United States. The answer, pretty obviously, is no. Things are not about to get better in the United States for black Americans. Many more black Americans will die because of the approach of the media and the Democratic Party with regard to policing. Period. End of story. Okay, so let's take a look at what's happened over the course of the past year. We've been told that the great racial awakening brought about by George Floyd's death has been a boon to the United States. We've seen Nancy Pelosi on tape thanking George Floyd for his death in a bizarre show of misplacement. I mean, my goodness, what a, what a tone-deaf thing to say. That this has made America better in some way, and particularly for black Americans. There's an entire piece from the Associated Press today titled, Floyd Verdict Gives Hope If Only Fleeting to Black America. By the way, that's not an op-ed. That is a news piece because our media are fully invested in the idea that all the systems of the United States are deeply racist and that only if Chauvin was convicted would we be on the road to recovery. Here is the Associated Press in a news story. Remember, not an op-ed. Relief, even if fleeting and momentary, is a feeling that black Americans have rarely known in America. From slavery and Jim Crow segregation to enduring punishments for living while black, a breath of fresh air untainted by oppression has long been hard to come by. That's a news story, gang. Your media are hot garbage. Your establishment media, Delenda Est. They do not have the interests of the American people at heart. They do not have the interests of, of American ideals at heart. They don't have the, the ideas of Martin Luther King Jr. at heart. They have divisiveness and polarization and violence at heart. I mean, this is bad stuff. 
The notion that all black Americans are living under the constant threat of extermination is now being reported as objective news by the Associated Press. Nonetheless, says the AP, the conviction of ex-cop Derek Chauvin for murdering George Floyd nearly a year ago allowed many across this city and the nation to to exhale pent-up anxiety and to inhale a sense of hope. But what might they hope for? The fate of Chauvin showed black Americans and their compatriots once again that the legal system is capable of valuing black lives. Well, the system is capable of valuing black lives, but what you are calling for in terms of changes to the system devalues black lives, as we will talk about in just one second. Or at least it can hold one white police officer in Minnesota accountable for what many declared an unambiguous act of murder months ago. Yeah, just because many declared something an unambiguous act of murder means nothing. Today, you'll notice that there are many in the media who are attempting to declare it an unambiguous act of murder that a police officer in Columbus, Ohio, shot a girl, a a 15-year-old black girl. Then the police released the footage and it turns out the 15-year-old black girl was trying to stab another black woman with a knife when she was shot. Okay, but again, the facts are getting in the way of a good narrative here. This may be the beginning of the restoration of believing that a justice system can work, said civil rights leader Martin Luther King III. But we have to constantly stay on the battlefield in a peaceful and nonviolent way and make demands. This has been going on for years. In one case, one verdict does not change how systemic racism has worked in our system, right? The systems have to be torn down. What the media are calling for is not renewed faith in the system. What they are calling for is continuous pressure on the system. See, here's the the bizarre nature of of the only thing that changed yesterday because Chauvin was convicted as opposed to acquitted is that there weren't riots. Because for the left, the outcome really didn't change. For the left, it doesn't matter what the the antecedent was. The consequent was always going to be the same. In the if-then statement, it did not matter what, what you said in the if. The then was always going to be the same. If Chauvin had been acquitted, then the then they would have said this. Because Derek Chauvin was acquitted, this just shows that the American racial, the American justice system is racially malevolent, that America is a deeply systemically racist place. And this requires, therefore, this requires that you give us inordinate power to reshape all the systems of American life so as to achieve racial equity. Okay, that was version number one, where Chauvin was acquitted. When Chauvin was convicted, here's the argument today. Derek Chauvin was convicted. And this is just the first step to realizing that you have to give us more power so we can reshape the systems of American power in line with providing greater racial equity. It does not matter whether Chauvin was convicted or not for purposes of the agenda. In fact, it seems that there are at least a few in the media who are kind of unhappy that Chauvin was convicted because it seems to grant a certain legitimacy to a justice system they really, really dislike. I mean, to to take one example, MSNBC's Jason Johnson seemed pretty pissed at the verdict yesterday. He was Instead of, he said, I'm not going to celebrate this verdict because it gives legitimacy to a system that's bad. I actually always thought that he would be found guilty because it's sort of a cultural makeup call. But I'm not happy. I'm not pleased. I don't have any sense of satisfaction. I don't think this is a system working. I don't think this is a good thing. What this says to me is that in order to get a nominal degree of justice in this country, that a black man has to be murdered on air, viewed by the entire world, There have to be a year's worth of protests and a phalanx of other white police officers to tell one white officer that he was wrong in order to get one scintilla of justice. Okay, that last point there is him admitting that the jury was pressured by the by the millions of people in the streets, which, of course, is true and perfectly obvious to anyone with a shred of common sense. He says in order to get this conviction, you needed millions of people in the streets. Okay, there's a word for that, and it's mob justice. Okay, there's a term for that. And this is not a fringe viewpoint. Jason Johnson's viewpoint. In fact, you get the viewpoint, right? Because the idea is if the system is bad, then anything that justifies the system may not be that great. AOC, the irrepressible, brilliant 
so fresh, so face, face of, of justice in America, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, who spent tens of thousands of dollars on private security over the course of the last few months, but you should definitely defund the police. AOC said that this verdict should not be a ray of hope. It should just be a reminder that we need to completely change the systems of American life. It's not justice. And I'll explain to you why it's not justice. It's not justice because justice is George Floyd going home tonight to be with his family. Justice is Adam Toledo getting tucked in by his mom tonight. Justice is when you're pulled over, there not being a gun that's part of that interaction because you have a headlight out. Right. All of, justice is tearing down all the systems. And you'll notice the facts don't matter in any of these cases. The Adam Toledo shoot was a justifiable shooting by a police officer. Adam Toledo was missing for two days in Chicago. His mom didn't even call the cops. He was a member of a gang. Where were his parents? His mom tucking him in. She did not call the cops when he went missing for two nights. He was shooting a gun and moving vehicles. When the police were called to the scene, he ran from the cops. He had a gun behind him. And as he dropped the gun, he was shot. Okay, the, and, and for her, justice is that he goes home. Justice is that George Floyd is... So, in other words, justice is the tearing down of all of the systems because any bad thing that happens can be attributed to the system. So this wasn't justice, right? Justice is bad things don't happen anymore and bad things won't happen anymore. Justified or unjustified, bad things will never happen anymore if you just tear down the systems. That is the goal here. Van Jones on CNN doing the same routine, right? This just shows one down, but there are many more to go because the system is still corrupt. The system is still bad. That's the generalized point here. This is not the end of anything. This is the beginning of something. Where is Congress? They need to act. Those chokeholds are still legal, according to the federal government. That needs to change. Uh, there's no duty to intervene from the federal government. That needs to change. Uh, there's no registry for cops like Chauvin. That needs to change. You know, when you have somebody like, you know, uh, 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 Representative Karen Bass and, and, and Tim Scott fighting, we need to get behind them. This should never happen again. One down, many more to go. By the way, I noticed that it was the Democrats who filibustered Tim Scott's police reform bill last year because Tim Scott happens to be a Republican. Reverend Al Sharpton, who, to my amazement and astonishment, remains a major figure in American public life, despite being involved in the incitement of two separate racial conflagrations, one in Crown Heights and another at Freddy's Fashion Mart, and who's been wrong on nearly every major racial issue and runs a shakedown network designed at getting businesses to pay money to his network so that he will leave them alone. Al Sharpton still considered a face of racial justice after the Tawana Browley scandal. It's just unbelievable to me. Here's Al Sharpton saying the war and the fight isn't over. Again, because it was never directed. It was never about this one case. You understand? The entire contention was that it was about the system. Doesn't matter that they never showed it was the system. They never showed that, that Derek Chauvin was a racist. Again, it's amazing. This is the key point. They keep, they're convicting the entire system and Chauvin of a crime they did not even allege with evidence against Chauvin or really the system. Here's Sharpton pushing it. We don't find pleasure in this. We don't celebrate a man going to jail. We would have rather George be alive. Amen. But we celebrate that we, because young people, white and black, some castigated, many that are here tonight, marched and kept marching and kept going. Many of them looked down on, but they kept marching and wouldn't let this die. And this is an assurance to them that if we don't give up, that we can win some rounds 
But the war and the fight is not over. It's unbelievable. Sharpton is openly admitting, he's openly saying that this was jury tampering, essentially, right? That if there hadn't been millions of people in the streets, Chauvin doesn't get convicted. He's saying it straight out. He's saying that straight out. And that already there's a question as to whether on appeal the conviction is going to be vacated because of all of the outside pressure, including from Maxine Waters. It would take a, a court of appeals of, of a certain level of courage that I don't think is going to be apparent uh, to actually do that. But it's, it's, it's not as though anybody is, is under the misimpression that public pressure didn't have anything to do with this verdict. If you're under that misimpression, I'm, I'm, I point you to Al Sharpton, who's, who thinks differently. Okay, here, here's the question. And we're going to get to this in, in just one second. Here's the question. Does this, is the desi desire to tear down the system, is that making life better for Americans? Is it making life better for Americans? So yesterday, in the aftermath of this individual criminal justice case that took place in Minneapolis, the presidents of the United States and co-presidents of the United States, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, spoke. That in and of itself is astonishing. That in the aftermath of a, of a criminal conviction of a single cop for a murder charge, controversial murder charge, in, in, in an incident in a locale, the president of the United States is nationalizing the message. The reason he's nationalizing the message is because always and forever, this was part of a narrative, which is why it was a national story as opposed to a local crime story. As I've discussed before, the way the media work, if a story fits the narrative they're pushing, it becomes a national story. If a story does not fit the story they are pushing, then it becomes a local crime story. When Kermit Gosnell murders babies after they're born by the dozens, that is a local crime story. When George Floyd dies under Derek Chauvin's knee, that is a national news story. The way they determine which is which is simply by determining whether it fits the narrative they are attempting to push at any given moment. How strong is the narrative push? The president of the United States, of the entire United States, black, white, and green, the president of the United States and the co-president, Kamala Harris, and it's, first of all, it's super bizarre that Joe Biden constantly trots out Kamala Harris next to him, basically declaring her the heir, right? If I plot, she's here. That in and of itself is weird. You would never have seen this from, from Trump. You never would have seen this from Obama with Biden. He, you think Obama would have let Biden anywhere within 30 feet of a microphone? For a speech like this, so that's weird just politically. But the reason that, that the president is speaking out about this is because the narrative must be pushed. The narrative must be pushed. We're going to get to Harris and Biden in one second. First, let's talk about making your business better. If, you, if you're looking to make your business stronger, if you're a business owner who's hiring, you probably face a lot of challenges when it comes to finding the right person for your role. That's why hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job at some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. It's no wonder over 2.3 million businesses have come to ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. So while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options, ZipRecruiter finds what you are looking for, the needle in the haystack. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Once again, remember, ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. Make your business better by getting the best employees. And if you're an employee looking for a job, check out ZipRecruiter as well. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. All righty, we're going to get to co-president Harris and President Joe Biden in just one second. And we're going to ask the question, if all of this is supposed to make the system better, then why are so many more black Americans dying? We'll get to that in just one second. First, it's almost time for another new episode of Candace. This week's special guest, Dana White, president of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. It's the largest mixed martial arts organization on planet Earth. The show streams on Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, only on DailyWire.com. 
You can get 25% off a new membership with code Candice and get the audio podcast Candice on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So if you need some Candace Owens in your podcast feed, look no further. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe today. Be sure to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty, so last night, the co-president of the United States and the president of the United States come out and speak on an individual local crime story that is a national story only because Democrats have somehow twisted this into fitting the narrative that America's justice system is entirely racist. They use the term systemic racism because it means everything and nothing. Systemic racism means that you don't actually have to show that Derek Chauvin was a racist. You can say he was the outgrowth of a systemically racist system. It also means that you don't actually have to show any discrepancy between the arrest statistics and the report statistics in order for you to declare the system racist. Everything is racist and nothing is racist at the same time. It is a deliberate mush term in order to be able to implicate a system in evil without actually explaining how the evil is predicated. In any case, Kamala Harris comes out, the black vice president of the United States, to declare that America is deeply evil and racist. Here she was yesterday. Today, we feel a sigh of relief. Still, it cannot take away the pain. A measure of justice isn't the same as equal justice. This verdict brings us a step closer. And the fact is, we still have work to do. A measure of justice isn't the same as equal justice, right? The idea is that even though we got what we wanted in this particular trial, that doesn't justify the entire system. The entire system is still broken. Not only is the entire system still broken, says Kamala Harris, the black vice president of the United States in a racist, deeply, deeply racist country. Not only that, What we are seeing today in terms of America's systems is exactly the same as what we saw in the Jim Crow era, which is weird because I don't remember a black vice president of the United States during the Jim Crow era or a two-term black president of the United States or, you know, a black attorney general or under Barack Obama or black Supreme Court justice. Like There are a few differences, but according to Kamala Harris, nope. America has a long history of systemic racism. Black Americans and black men in particular have been treated throughout the course of our history as less than human. Because of smartphones, so many Americans have now seen the racial injustice that black Americans have known for generations. The racial injustice that we have fought for generations. Okay, so the basic idea is that nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Now, when she says systemic racism, in order to say that nothing has changed, you have to ignore the fact that slavery was legal in the United States until the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, that Jim Crow was legal in the United States until the Civil Rights Act in 1965. That's actual systemic racism. You know, in law, in order for you to say that nothing has changed, you have to be utterly blind to reality in every possible way. But that's exactly what she's saying. And of course, it'll make America better if we all just say this over and over and over. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, a child's life is molded by his or her home, school, friends, community. A positive experience in all these areas helps build a healthy child. Cars for Kids, that's Cars with a K, is a registered nonprofit organization aimed at giving children the tools to succeed in life. If you have a car that's just sitting in your driveway, taking up space, you should consider donating it to Cars for Kids. You know, Cars for Kids, they've got that jingle, right? The 1877 Cars for Kids, K A R S. You know it. If you're tired of looking at that old car in your driveway or hearing your spouse complain about it, why not let Cars for Kids take care of it for you? Here's how it works visit their website at carsforkids.org. Ben, let them take care of it from there. The whole process only takes two minutes. Cars for Kids will schedule a pickup at a time that's convenient for you. If you don't have a car, you can still help. 
Cars for Kids accepts non-cash donations of school supplies, clothing, sports equipment, and more. So what exactly are you waiting for? Call now or visit carsforkids.org slash Ben to get the ball rolling today. That's Cars with a K, the number four at carsforkids.org slash Ben. That's carsforkids.org slash Ben. Then Joe Biden gets to the microphone. He says exactly the same sort of stuff. Now, we all knew what Biden wanted before the verdict came down, right? He said that he wanted the right verdict. He didn't say the system is supposed to work how the system works. It's not my job to weigh in on this, which is what a normal president would say. Somebody who wanted to turn down the temperature. Instead, he turned up the temperature by saying in the middle of the jury deliberations that he wants the right verdict to happen. Pretty obviously, he wanted Chauvin convicted. They're a good family, and they're calling for peace and tranquility, no matter what that verdict is. I'm praying the verdict is the right verdict, which is, I think it's overwhelming in my view. I wouldn't say that, but the the jury was sequestered now. Oh, I'm sure that now they've been sequestered. Everything's fine. So we, we just talked to them. I want to know how they were doing. Don't worry. The outside pressure had nothing to do with the jury verdict here at all. At all. Okay, then Joe Biden gave a speech last night. So that was before the trial, right? So we know what he wanted before, before the actual outcome. He could have just waited a few hours, but he didn't. Then the outcome came and he just makes accusations that are not even alleged in the crime. Here he was suggesting not only that this was murder, but that it ripped off the lid of the systemic racism in our system. By the way, isn't there sort of a contradiction between I'm the head of the system and also the system is systemically racist? This dude has been a member of the U.S. government since he was 30 years old. He is now 178 years old. Joe Biden has been in Congress. He has been in positions of public power at least a decade longer than I have been alive. And yet Joe Biden is there, part of the system, but the system is racist. And it was exposed to the light of day. And again, has not one scintilla of evidence has been provided that the Chauvin killing was in fact racist. Does not matter. Here's Joe Biden pushing this lie anyway. It was a murder in the full light of day and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see the systemic racism the vice president just referred to. There was systemic racism that's a stain on our nation's soul. <clears throat> the knee on the neck of justice for black Americans profound fear and trauma, the pain, the exhaustion that black and brown Americans experience. Biden is a predatory politician. Okay, this is empathy. This is is, is policy that is going to get black people killed in the guise of empathy, what he's pushing right now. Because what he's suggesting, of course, is a complete crackdown on policing across the country. Because, of course, if Derek Chauvin, there's no evidence of his racism, then we can only attribute racism to the entire system. And says Joe Biden, and this is the message, Takeaway message from the media and the Democrats is we can't stop here. We can't stop here. There must be more. We can't stop here. In order to deliver real change and reform, we can and we must do more to reduce the likelihood that tragedies like this will ever happen and occur again. To ensure the black and brown people or anyone so they don't fear the interactions with law enforcement that they don't have to wake up knowing that they can lose their very life in the course of just living their life. They don't have to worry about whether their sons or daughters will come home after a grocery store run or just walking down the street or driving their car, playing in the park or just sleeping at home. He's such a damned liar. Black Americans should not be living in fear that they are just going to be gunned down on the street by cops. That is utterly unsupportable by any evidence whatsoever. The number of unarmed black people shot and killed by the police in the United States every year is less than 20. And in many of those cases, we're talking about suspects who are participating in criminal activity that is still dangerous to others. 
The notion that every black American ought to be living in moral fear of the cops is a lie promulgated by politicians for their own systemic gain, for their for their centralization of power. Joe Biden is a cynic. He's a cynical politician who wants centralization of power under his own auspices, and he will lie to black Americans and to white Americans alike in order to get it by saying that America is deeply racist and this giant crisis of racism, this public health emergency, as Fauci has said, as all of the, the members of the government have said, this giant public health emergency, this giant emergency that tears at the soul of America can only be solved by this doddering old white man who's half senile fixing the system from the inside. He says the entire system is thoroughly going racist. Right? He says we have to acknowledge it and we have to confront it. Hey, there are consequences to the kind of stuff he's proposing. It ain't going to be pretty. Here is Joe Biden. And this takes acknowledging and confronting head on systemic racism and the racial disparities that exist in policing and in our criminal justice system more broadly. You know, state and local government and law enforcement needs to step up, but so does the federal government. Yes, more power to the federal government. Weird. You know, just as every outcome in any if-then statement for Democrats is the system, the, the systemic racism of the United States needs to be torn down. There's another statement that goes right along with that one, which is give us more power, which is what Joe Biden wants. So what have the effects of this power been? What have the effects been of the Black Lives Matter protests? Well, we have some studies on this. One study from Travis Campbell, a PhD student in economics at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, showed that thanks to the BLM protests from 2014 to 2019, this doesn't even include the massive murder uptick in America's major cities, 30% uptick in murder in America's major cities in 2020. From 2014 to 2019, a 15 to 20% reduction in lethal use of force by police officers, roughly 300 fewer police homicides, somewhere between 1,000 and 6,000 more homicides than would have occurred. You know who's going to pay the price for getting rid of the cops? The people who live in these cities. The predictable outcome of all of this is going to be police officers resign from the force. Nobody signs up for the police forces. The police officers who are there simply avoid actually going to the scenes of crimes because they know that their lives will be ruined even if they do the right thing, let alone if they do the wrong thing. You're about to watch a collapse of policing in America's major cities. You know who pays the price for that? Not Joe Biden, not Kamala Harris, not anybody on CNN. The people who pay the price for that are all the people who live in these cities as businesses leave, as the tax base erodes, as public services get worse, as taxes are increased to compensate and more businesses leave, as the police simply stop operating. We're about to watch America's major cities turn into Detroit. That's what we're about to watch. That has nothing to do with race. That has to do with crappy policy. We're about to watch an emptying out of America's biggest cities. Because if you're a police officer today and you're watching the real the real time notion that the facts don't matter in each individual case, the only thing that matters is how it fits into the Democrat and media scheme of narrative justice about race in America. Why in the world wouldn't you take that early pension and get the hell out? Why in the world? Would you be proactive in your policing? There will be effects of this, but it ain't going to be good for anybody. The notion that America has gotten better in any way over the last year, I, I defy you to show me a statistic demonstrating, a piece of actual data demonstrating that the situation around race in America has improved over the course of the last year. Or, let, I mean, or frankly, over the course of the past 10 years. Very difficult to find any data to that effect because it's not improving. It's getting significantly worse. And it's getting significantly worse because everything must fit into the democratic narrative. And it is a lie that America is systemically racist. All of our institutions are shot through with racism. Those systems must be torn down. And, if, and, if, and every data point will be used as an indicator. Every individual 
Every individual story will be twisted and turned until it fits a narrative that really is not even alleged. There are consequences to this. Joe Biden ain't going to feel him. Kamala Harris isn't going to feel him. Al Sharpton won't feel it. Van Jones won't feel it. None of the people, AOC won't feel it. None of these people are going to feel it. Everyday American citizens, particularly living in America's biggest cities, are feeling it already, and they're going to feel it a lot harder in the years to come. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. In the meantime, go check out The Michael Knowles Show. He discusses more on The Chauvin Verdict. That episode is available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our assistant director is Pavel Wydowski. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant is Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The George Floyd jurors save themselves. The president and Joe Biden celebrate the verdict. And more drag bar perverts throw money at kids. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 